And essentially what he did was create an emotion and any action that she was going to derive from that session was only going to last as long as the emotion he created. Today's guest is Rachel Patterson. Rachel Patterson is a therapist turned personal development coach. She focuses on women who are entrepreneurs and professionals trying to move away from a life of burnout. The cool thing is, is that she actually focuses on their private life. There's been enough time spent in a professional one and it's time to focus on you. Enjoy today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Ellie's Little Bows. Uh, they have some of the cutest top knots and bows, honestly, that you can find, uh, not only for your tiny human, but for yourself. We absolutely love them, use them all the time. Uh, big fan of the scrunchies in this household. So be sure to check it out. Uh, the cutest hedgehog uh, little bows are out. So check her out at Ellie's Little Bows on Instagram at E-L-L-E-S-L-I-T-T-L-E-B-O-W-S. So I am here today with Rachel Patterson. Uh, her and I actually connected through a uh, online Facebook group, which was kind of cool. Um, it really kind of goes to show what's out there if you're willing to to put yourself out there. So I thought it was really great. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and to just chat with you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Rachel. So Rachel does personal development and she is a coach and you mainly focus on women, correct? Yes, I mainly focus on female professionals and entrepreneurs, um, and I kind of help them move from just experiencing a life of burnout and moving into more of a place of thriving in their lives. That's awesome. And then the other really cool thing I think that you do is that you actually don't focus on business. Correct. Yes. So that is one of the biggest distinctions uh, that I have to make is that even though I focus primarily on female professionals and entrepreneurs, what I do is not business coaching. It is focused. I think there's enough business coaches out there. That's not my expertise. Um, and I think often a lot of times being a female entrepreneur myself, we focus so much on the business and we don't focus on ourselves and our lives and our emotions and our relationships and our personal goals. So that's what I really focus on. That's amazing. And so I guess, how long have you been doing this now? I have been, well, <laughs> that kind of goes into my entire journey of things. Perfect. Full-time personal development coaching, I have been doing for only about three months. Um, but I, So I'm a licensed therapist in the state of Indiana in the U.S. And I uh, originally set out to be a therapist, went straight into grad school from my undergrad experience. And then I was about a year into grad school and we actually started doing therapy and I was like, crap, I actually hate this. Like, <laughs> I have devoted five years of my life to something that I just found out that I don't enjoy. Um, but at that point, I mean, I was $15,000 in debt and I was already a year into a three-year program. So I thought, I might as well get this piece of paper. I might as well get this master's degree. I'm just going to continue on through that. So, I mean, at this point, I was just trucking along, trying to finish. I didn't know what there was for me at the end of this journey. Um, fast forward, I, I graduate. I finish with my master's degree in marriage and family therapy. I start my first job as a therapist, and I am burnt to the ground. I'm so burnt out. I love, I love working with people. I love, uh, you know, 
watching them transform through the tools and the resources that I help them find. But I'm just way too empathetic of a person. And I've always been able to, this sounds weird if you're not one of these people, but I've always been able to physically feel what other people in the room are feeling. Um, And so at the end of the day, after doing, you know, 10 therapy sessions, I'd come home and I would sit on the couch and be like, am I depressed or am I just taking on my client's depression and taking on their emotions? So it was a really just emotionally exhausting time for me feeling like I was taking on all of those emotions. But again, I devoted at this point seven years of schooling to this and didn't really know where I was going to go with it. So one day I was actually listening to one of my favorite podcasts and um, she, the host of the podcast was sharing a session she had done with her life coach. And I know for a fact she pays six figures a day for this life coach. I think I know exactly who you're talking about and what episode you're talking about. (laughs) You probably do. I'm not going to say the name because (laughs) I feel like I'm calling out some pretty top dollar people here and I am. Um, But so you'll know what I'm talking about when I say that I was so pumped to listen to this podcast. I was like, there's going to be so much gold that comes out of this guy's mouth. I cannot wait to hear what happens. And I listened to it for 45 minutes. And at the end, I was just in awe and so disappointed. And I thought, I just listened to this guy charge $100,000 and then blow smoke for 45 minutes. Like all he did was say, this is your time. You can do this. You are strong. You are capable. Not once did he give her a tangible tool or a tangible resource. And Essentially, what he did was create an emotion and any action that she was going to derive from that session was only going to last as long as the emotion he created. So at that point, I realized, wait, I can I can do this. Like I have seven years of training in psychology and how people function. And I can instead of doing work that focuses on healing wounds from the past and wounds from the present that emotionally exhausts me, I can take my training and focus on helping people develop themselves for the future. So that was a really long answer to your question, but that's kind of how I got where I am. So long story short, three months, but overall like nine years. (laughs) No, honestly, that's the, um, That's way more than I could have asked for. That's perfect because, and it's funny when you talk about people that don't get it, that can take on people's emotions. I hate going to airports because when I see somebody saying goodbye to a family member and they're like having that emotional moment where you're like, especially maybe when you're leaving like a different country and you know that these people that are leaving their family to create a better life and they're whatever. And I've sat there and I've just bawled in airports before. And my husband's like, "What what is happening right now? And I'm just like, do you not see what it like? And I, yeah, it's, it's a really big thing. If you're, if you are that person that would, it's, it's a lot to take on. Yeah, it is. Um, and I think that's amazing that you recognize that so quickly mm-hmm. and you, yeah, did- I'm, I'm thankful I recognized it now and not, you know, 20, 30 years from now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, <laughs> Like a lot of us do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's really, that's amazing. And then I find it interesting that it was marriage and family that you focused on as well. Mm -hmm. Um, 
because I really think that's where a lot of the support comes from for a lot of people, right? Like that, that's how you start your day. That's how you end your day. So to create anything in between, those are vital, vital parts. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, yes, it's where a lot of the support comes from. It's also where a lot of the crap comes from, (laughs) unfortunately, you know, like even with my, even with my coaching clients, the first session that we do is kind of is an insight session. So it's me really digging into their past and trying to figure them out and figure out who you, who they are, why they function the way they do so that I can better coach them. And man, I mean, 10 minutes into that session, we're talking about family and we usually talk about family for the next 40 minutes because that's, that's so much of who we are. Right. And so much of why we do the things we do and why we think the way we do. Um, so yeah, it's very interesting. No, and we see that with our clients too, right? A lot of times you're talking and you're looking for these triggers that they're going through because it's not the actual food for the most part, right? Yeah. And you'll chat with them and you're like, when you were younger, what was it like? Oh, we didn't have a lot of money. So we ate and we could eat. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is actually what we're working on now. Yes. That's where this is coming from. This has nothing to do with the muffin, the cupcake, the pizza, the, you know, or, you know, where, was it drilled in your head as a two-year-old girl to be a people pleaser and always say please and thank you and, mm-hmm. you know, do it. And then now as women, we don't know how to say no because mm-hmm. we're in fear of not pleasing other people around us. So mm-hmm. I think that's really, that's amazing because that is, that's where it, we see it all the time. That's really where it comes from. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you guys dive into that as well. And it's not just, it's not just about eat this and like, you'll look like this. And it's not just about the exercise and it it is so much deeper than that. And I love that you guys have recognized that in order for real change to occur, it cannot be surface level change. Like it has to go beyond that. And I think that's something that is so just a huge gap in the coaching world in general and something that is missing from so many coaching programs. So I, I love that you guys do that and really appreciate that you've taken the time to really do that for your clients. That's awesome. Thank you. And then, so what you're talking about that missing in the coaching world. So what, what is it that you do differently for your clients? Yeah. So, I mean, if we're talking about the coaching world in general, again, <laughs> calling out the coaching world here, <laughs> I feel like a lot of coaching out there is people undercharging or overcharging for undervalue essentially. Um, I don't know when, but somewhere along the road, coaching became the profession where people decided they could take their experiences and charge thousands of dollars for them and, you know, make a quick buck. And that's really not what it's about. You know, like I think anything in business coaching, I think is different business coaching is something that can definitely come from experience. If you have built a successful business, you obviously have resources and tools that can probably help someone else, even if their business is a little bit different from yours. But when it comes to the personal development and life coaching realm, I strongly believe those coaches need to have credentials of some kind. And so many don't, you know, there are so many life coaches who have a specific niche based off of their own experience. And I don't want to discount that whatsoever because I think those programs can definitely still bring 
some, uh, some connection, some community, some comfort. But overall, if I am, say I'm going to some, to a relationship coach for help with my marriage and she, her and her husband had a rocky marriage and then they figured out some things and their marriage just blossomed and bloomed. And that's what she's coaching me off of. Well, her marriage is not my marriage. Her experience is not my experience. So if you are coaching solely off of experience and not off of evidence-based theories that have been proven over time, you are not giving your clients what they need. And honestly, you're probably putting a lot of your own crap onto your clients. There's probably a lot of transference that's going on with that. Um, So I think... I'm just rambling at this point. I don't even know actually what you asked me, but I'm going to continue to ramble. <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> it's so true though. I just think even what you're saying, and we see it all the time, like, well, I saw this person and they told me to stop drinking milk. Why did you have to stop drinking milk? Well, because they said milk didn't work for them. That doesn't necessarily mean that milk doesn't work for you. Maybe it's what you're having. Maybe it's the other 80% of what you're having. Maybe, maybe they just don't like milk. Why are they telling you to not drink milk? Because they didn't feel good after milk. Yes. Absolutely. We see it all the time. It's, we call it the, we always refer to it as like breaking down the headlines, right? People, they're like, well, my neighbor Mm -hmm. did this. Well, do you live your neighbor's lifestyle? Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't, it doesn't apply that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You have to look, you have to take each individual person and kind of, I mean, what you're doing as a coach is you are stepping into your, to their life and saying, I'm going to step into your life and I'm going to walk alongside you through this journey. I'm not going to copy and paste someone else's journey onto your life, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think too, kind of along with that, there are so many coaches who are just doing that and they're not giving any tangible tools. And the biggest thing is sustainability. You know, a lot of coaches are only focused on, um, making money, making profit, like making sure these clients are staying on their coaching program for years. And I understand that everyone has to make a living. You need to figure that out. But I'm a strong believer in the majority of my friends, my family, even me and my husband, we work hard for our money. We don't have money just like laying around everywhere. People overall work hard for their money and they don't need to be repeatedly spending. Like that just goes against my morals and my values as a human. Like the the point of coaching and the point of even like therapy is to one day no longer need it, is to one day being able to use those tools and those resources on your own because you've been coached so well on them that, that you know what to do, you know, like as a, I, I use this analogy, which maybe this will fly over some people's head. Cause I've coached, I've coached cheerleading for like 10 years and I was a cheerleader my whole life. But if some, if I'm teaching a four-year-old little girl, how to do a forward roll and five years from now, her mom is still paying me to teach her how to do a forward roll. I've done something wrong. And Typically, that mom's not going to be happy. So I don't understand why that doesn't necessarily translate over to the coaching world and even to like the nutrition world. 
um, where people expect to have these coaches their entire lives and coaches feed into that, you know? Um, so I don't know, that just kind of rubs me wrong. And I feel like the coaching world can definitely do better in that aspect of things. I 100% agree with you on that. And I think like, it's, it's so true. Um, and for anybody that's in Canada, listen, there's not a lot of cheerleading here. Uh, however, <laughs> Hey, you have the, um, what do you have? You have the sharks. Yes. Yes, And they're not far from us, actually. They're only, it's only about a 35 minute drive from where we live. It's from where they are, not to say exactly where I am, but, um, and we've talked about actually putting our daughter in it because she has the, uh, Oh, absolutely. She has the ability to do it. And they're huge here, right? Like, so people that are with the sharks, a lot of them are going on scholarships in the States and stuff. I've worked with the odd girl that's done it and it's, um, but yeah, for the most, most kids are playing hockey or baseball here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they are. They're, I mean, even in America, they're like celebrities. I think that's wild. Anyways, but, um, but, not, but I think definitely put your daughter in it. Yeah. <laughs> Once things open up again, um, yeah. and I hope her gymnastics coach listens to this because she'll, she, she will know exactly what we're talking about with her. Um, she will either be in jail or running a fortune 500. There's no other way for our kid, um, but she'll run it no matter where she is. I love it so much. I hope that my daughter is like that one. Oh, that's it. We're like, we just have to get her to adulthood. She will make the most incredible adult. We just can't kill that spirit and we need to funnel it the right way mm-hmm. for the I next 15 love years that. because yeah. she, she is, she is feisty. <laughs> the best ways. Hey, I was too. I love yeah. it. I think it works out. So, mm-hmm. um, but no, but it's like, when we're talking about coaching and stuff, right? Like, I think that if I sent my kid to go play hockey or play, play baseball. Mm-hmm. And we hired them a pitcher coach to teach them how to pitch. And four years later, my kids still can't pitch either. A, what am I investing in? Cause that wasn't the right path for my kid or right. B, what's going on here. Like coaches are, they're there, they're there to get you results. If we hired a business coach and we didn't see an increase in our business revenue, and we just walked away feeling good about ourselves. But then I would start, I wouldn't have trust in myself. If somebody just kept blowing smoke up me, right? I would just keep thinking, well, they keep telling me I'm doing great, but my right. bottom line's going down or it's not going up or I'm not growing. Like I'm not attaining those milestones that I was really looking for. I wouldn't keep paying somebody all my money. Right. So I think it's really interesting. And then even when you talk about it, you talk about people using their life experiences, I I get it. Life experiences are vitally important, but my life experience, what led me to the nutrition world, it is very niche. Mine was postpartum depression. So for when I'm coaching a 45 year old guy, that has nothing to do with my life experience, my education, my, you know, my ongoing studies, my, like our self-development and the actual nutrition and the evidence-based practice is how I help a 40 something year old male. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I think that's awesome that you you look at it that way. And then I also think if anybody came to you versus somebody with just a life experience, um, and this might sound really, really forward, and I might piss some people off here, but where are you ever going to get that type of coaching from somebody who has done seven years of schooling? You can't mm-hmm. get therapy sessions. Yeah. So yeah, I, no, I mean, I agree with you. <laughs> I'm glad you, I feel like I can't say that about myself, but I'll let you say that all day long. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's important for people like check what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. Check Absolutely. it because it, you know, check that and see if that's the right fit for you. And I think you'd probably agree. Not everybody's going to be the right fit for you. No, definitely not. And I think it's important with 
checking, checking in on, hey, what are your credentials? What has your training been? If their training has been Sally Sue's six-week crash course to being a coach, probably not. Like, just because they have a credential does not mean they have a good credential. Yes. Um, I'm sure it's the same in the nutrition world. So I, I highly just advise people to check the specifics of what those credentials are and don't just take letters next to a name as, oh, they did, they're trained, they're fine. Yep. I think about how easy is it to go onto one of those, on- and I'm not saying don't go into online courses and learn and self-develop. Trust right. me, I'm not saying right. that whatsoever. But when you go on, and I forget, it doesn't matter what company, but you can do like a cognitive therapy thing. And it's like, a 10 hour course. And it's like, now you're a practitioner of cognitive therapy. I'm like, you are not a, no, you should not be, you know, and people are putting these things beside their names. I did not know that was a thing. Yeah. So it's essentially just like an intro. Like it's just, it's more or less just explaining it. Right. That that pisses me off so much. (laughs) Then you see people put this beside their names and they're, so they're, they're building this all up. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it is. It's a little scary when you start to when you start to see those things. And I know like we always try to remind people in a really polite way, like, you know, we're insured and accredited. That means yeah. that the higher being of business world powers, they know that we know what we're doing. So they're willing to give us insurance on it. It's malpractice insurance, right? Like no different than you can't just go practice things. Like yeah. it's so I think it's important that and I do think and I think we talked about this when we first chatted that it's important we're not saying that the MLMs of the world, like they do their thing. And, and that's in our experience, the MLM stuff, right? Where people, oh, I'm a nutrition coach because I sell this meal replacement shake through an MLM. Um, and that's part of people's journey of how they get to us because we all need to start somewhere and kind of dip our toes in the water. And it's scary. And you don't know how to get these, you know, these fast lines to finding out what, where the good, the good stuff is kind of. Um, but yeah, it can get, it can get really tricky and really mudded sometimes for yeah. sure but sure, I that's a little tyrant on <laughs> <laughs> we will now step off of our soapbox <laughs> like, um, awesome so when we talk about let's talk about habits then mm-hmm. so that's one of the big things that you work on with your clients yeah what is the actual psychology of it and that's one thing I know for me like I'm one of those people that I kind of need to know the why I have a hard time trusting blind faith for a lot of things when it comes to that. So I think it's important for people to understand the actual psychology behind habit forming. And then the next step is the actual implementation of that habit as well. Absolutely. Do you want me to attack all of that in one or do you want me to start with just the psychology? However you want to lay it out, lay it out. Okay. So the kind of the basis behind it is twofold. The first you know, part of why habit forming is important is because the average adult human makes 35,000 decisions a day, right? Which is, I think if you, before I knew that statistic, I think if you would have asked me how many decisions does an average adult make in their day, I would say like, I don't know, like 20, 24, like somewhere around there. 35,000. And, and women make an extra 30% of that because they're constantly asked what's for dinner. And <laughs> uh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Yes. So when you think about that, I mean, it's everything from what am I going to wear today? Am I going to have a turkey sandwich for lunch or am I going to have a salad? Am I going to 
go this way to work or I'm going to go this way. Like it's, it's every little thing. And we don't realize how much brain space those decisions take up. We don't realize how much energy we are spending on making decisions that really don't matter and that aren't really doing anything for us. So the more that we can create habits in our life and do the same things every day, the more brain space and energy we free up to focus on the things that really matter. Um, There are, I'm not asking people to do this and I don't ask my clients to do this, but the amount of people on like the Forbes top 100 list who have eaten the same three meals for the last 25 years is like wild. You know, they just, they do the same thing every day and, and clearly there's, there's a correlation in that. So that's kind of the first part of it. The second part of it is a lot of coaching and even just a lot of life through life, people set goals, which is great. A goal, a goal is fine, but essentially a goal is like having a destination without a roadmap to get there. If you tell me to go to this small town in Florida, I'm, I know the, the direction to go, but I'm probably never going to get exactly to that place or to that address without having a roadmap of some kind. So, I mean, essentially having a goal without a habit that is ingrained into your everyday life is really just a wish because every day, say I have a goal to run more. Well, okay, great. Well, every day after I have gotten up, gotten the kids to school, gone to work eight to 10 hours, come home, picked up the dry cleaning, made dinner. It's seven o'clock. I'm sitting on the couch and I'm faced with the decision of, well, am I going to go for a run or am I going to watch Netflix? Well, at that point in my day, I'm probably going to watch Netflix. Like I'm not going to choose to run. So making, forming a habit and putting a system in place in your life is really just taking away that decision so that what you set out to accomplish actually is like fit into your life. And it's not just a hope and it's not just a wish and it's not just a decision. So to be a little more specific with what I mean by that is that instead of leaving that decision of, am I going to run or I'm going to watch Netflix? I set up a system in my life around this habit. So my habit is that is running. Like I need to run. So I ask myself, what days of the week am I going to do this? I ask myself, what time of the day am I going to do this? And then I ask myself, what am I going to do? Like what three events are going to proceed running for me? And the importance of those three events is that it engages our brain. And so when we start doing things, our brain prepares itself to run because it knows that that's coming. Our brain loves, the human brain was made for routine. It was built on routine. And I think our culture so often preaches freedom and doing what you want, when you want. And that's just not what the human brain was made for. And that's part of why there's so many undisciplined people in our society. Um, So, you know, for instance, I'm going to run on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday at four o'clock. So I'm going to get home from work. I am going to set my stuff down in the study. I am going to change into running clothes. I'm going to drink a glass of water and I'm going to run. So my brain knows on those days when I get home and I go to set my stuff down, it already has the patterns in order for what I'm going to do. 
And is it going to be perfect? No, but are you going to run a heck of a lot more? Absolutely, because you're pulling your brain into the mix. Like your brain is going to start going on autopilot. And eventually if it's a Monday, Tuesday, or Thursday at four o'clock and you don't start doing that sequence, it's going to feel weird and it's going to feel off. You know, once you've, once you've put those things into place and developed those habits, I think we've all experienced, like it feels weird when we don't. And that's exactly the point that you want to be in because that, that will continue to propel you forward on days when you just don't want to complete that chain of events. I think that will resonate so much for so many people. And as you were saying all of that, I was thinking in like the negative space for that. And there's so many, especially our clients, I know, um, and myself personally, it's almost the flip side where you're like, okay, when you hear it like that, it's easier to start to quote unquote, break a habit as well. Because when you're talking about drinking a glass of water, that's the trigger. That's going, okay, now this is your next step. Now we're filling up to go, here. So it's almost the same thing. I would, I would assume, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that for people that are breaking habits, it's very, very similar. Okay. So is having, we often say this all the time for people, especially when it comes to, you know, they're like, but you know, I'm going to have some drinks on Saturday. We're like, it's not the actual drinks that are the issue. It's what happens when you have those drinks and that's what we're trying to work on. Right. So, or, you know, people feel bad that they can't keep chips in the house because they're going to eat them. It's like, if, if it's too easy to get because you have the chips and then the problem is now you have the chips and I call it a case of the fuck it's, is that when people get it, they have the chips and then they go, well, fuck it. So now I'm going to have, you know, the rest of them. And now I'm going to have all this other stuff that doesn't really work for their system yeah. or, or their habits. So I find it interesting when you laid it out that systematically, looking at it on the flip side for clients. And do you find that a lot with the people that you work with that there's a lot of rewiring the opposite way, a lot of unlearning as well. Yes. Yes, absolutely. A lot of like breaking those things down, breaking the, like the triggers that lead to the bad habits. Um, yeah, all of that. Cause I think there are, there are certain things that lead to those. There are triggers that lead to the bad habits too. And a chain of events that we need to figure out that we need to break. <clears throat> but I think kind of, simultaneously with that people also don't put in the time that is needed to break those bad habits like for instance like I said our brains love routine and it's not it's not just positive healthy routine um if I have chosen Netflix over running 35 times but I've gone for a run twice you know, my brain is always going to choose the road more traveled. And at that point, the road more traveled is Netflix. So in order for running to become the road more traveled, I need to do that 36 times. And people usually try it five times and then they give up because they're like, well, this isn't working. And I'm like, well, (laughs) you know, if you've done something for the last seven years and you've done it 900 times, it's going to take a while for your brain to identify another path as the road more traveled. Um, you can't stop and you can't give up on that because then you're just continuing to add repetitions to the road that you don't want to be on. So we get um, good at things that we keep doing. Yeah. Practicing at the end of yes. the day, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, yeah, along with that, just giving yourself time, giving your brain time to learn this new, you know, way of doing things and moving towards your goals. So, and this might be, and this is honestly just kind of came to me, uh, but 
when we, you hear all the time, especially in this kind of world, that it takes 21 days to replace a habit. You can only replace bad habits with good habits. What validity is there to those kind of comments? Is there any, or is it that, you know, we always reference that, sure, if it takes three weeks to create a habit, um, we, we're a big baseball family. So um, if you switch, if you're, you know, a right-handed batter and all of a sudden you're batting, you've taken 21 days to learn how to switch it. And now you're batting left. If you do it once, you take your 21 days, you did it once, but if you don't keep practicing it, it's going to go away. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious, you know, is, is there any validation to this like 21 day rule? Or, you know, when we talk about literally the brainwaves and creating these new habits, are you actually replacing bad habits or are you adding more positive ones? Like how does that actually work? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think there's a ton of validity to the 21 day thing, unfortunately. Um, you know, maybe with some things, but if you've done something for 15 years, that's not going to change in 21 days. That just doesn't make sense. And I'm not going to, I'm not saying it's going to take another 15 years for, for, you know, your positive habits to become natural and to become the road more traveled. Um, but it's going to take a heck of a lot more than 21 days. So I think, (laughs) you know, it, it really is a, a case by case basis and really digging into how, how much time those people have spent, um, doing that bad habit. And I think, I think there is some positivity to, if you set out and you say like, okay, I'm going to try this for 21 days. I definitely think if you do something for 21 days, you're more likely to continue it, but I don't think that that's going to solve your issues. That's awesome. I, I like that. We see that a lot, right? And people go, well, I did this for a month with you guys and everything's reset and I feel great and I've lost some weight and my energy's up. And then, you know, we've gotten, we always do surveys, right? Because we want to check in on our clients after and stuff like that. And then we'll hear, well, it worked, but then I went ahead and I just kept eating pizza after and I put the weight back on. We're like, well, yeah. yeah." Um, And then obviously for us, it signals that, you know, they were lacking learning on the tools and we need to tweak on our end to make sure that we're connecting with all people. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I do. I find it interesting that it, we have this 21 day mentality Mm -hmm. and I mean, like, really I can do anything for 21 days. Yeah. Yeah. After, right. Where are you, where are you learning? Because in 21 days, you're not going to go through major, you're not going to go, hopefully not go through major losses, major celebrations, routine Mm -hmm. change, new kids, new life, new. And I think that's why you need those tools. And that's what you're talking about so much that that tool doesn't just mean to work on your marriage. That tool is something that applies to all relationships at the end of the day. And as long as you have that in your, in your belt, so to speak, you're able to apply that. And that's what makes that long lasting. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you said, you know, I can do anything for 21 days. Like, yeah, anyone can do anything for 21 days, but like, what can you do for 10 plus years? You know, like we can't all just do anything for 10 plus years by sheer willpower. We don't have enough willpower as humans to be able to do that. Yes. And I think it's so right. That's sustainability. And that's one of my, one of our big pet peeves here is cheat days. I hate the term cheat day for so many reasons. It has such a negative context around it and it's not a positive way to enforce change Uh 
development. Um, and don't make me feel like crap because what I'm needing, you're calling your cheat day is my other kind of my other side of it. I think there's a lot of effects and I don't think it's good to say around children and all this kind of stuff. But um, I think your life might allow for one day, like your schedule might allow for one day where you can do that. Mm-hmm. Lots of us don't have that. Lots of us are, if you're an extrovert and you have big social things on Fridays and Saturdays, or if you're somebody that travels for business, or if like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different things. So I think that sustainability gets lost that people just say, I'm going to allow myself this much space and this is all I'm going to do. And I'm not going to take into account that absolutely everything else could happen. You could get snowed in and you're not going to have what you want to have or whatever. Right. So I think it's, I think it's great when you talk about sustainability because it's, um, it's tricky. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It sure is. It sure is. But it doesn't make it any easier that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think our culture just really values quick fixes over sustainability. And so because as humans, we want the quick fix, so many businesses and coaches and programs are marketing to the quick fix and it's really just perpetuating the negative cycle and like screwing us all over even more (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) that's so true all right so Rachel what would be your one non-negotiable for a day my okay my one non-negotiable is time outside um I think that everyone should have something that they do daily that brings them joy that has like easy accessibility and is free. Like, I think that's huge, you know, not having to wait for like a vacation or to wait for date night to experience joy. Like I would love for people to be able to experience some sort of joy every day. And when I say joy, I don't mean that everything else in your life is, is just daisies and sunshine, right? Like you can be going through the crappiest of life circumstances and still at least for me, sit outside on my front porch for 10 minutes, like feel the sunshine on my face and like be filled with some positive emotions of some kind. So I think, you know, overall, everyone's non-negotiable should be something along those lines that they can do daily. And for me, it's, it's going outside. Um, going to a beach when I can there's no beaches in Indiana (laughs) the beach is my ultimate happy place but I will like settle for just like some sunshine and fresh air any day that's wicked thank you so much for sharing that that's perfect so and then where can people find you Rachel if they're interested in looking into coaching with you or connecting with you kind of following along where's the best place for everybody to find you yeah absolutely so you can find me on Instagram at Rachel Patterson co underscore uh, Facebook, Rachel Patterson Co. I also have a Facebook group that is called Thrive Social with Rachel Patterson. It's a private Facebook group, but um, I accept like most people where I go live once a week and kind of do free trainings and, you know, stuff like that. It's really just a community of for women who really want to develop themselves and pour into themselves a little bit and gain some tools and resources for them to be able to do that. Um, and then my website is rachelpattersonco.com. And I also offer like free 15 minute consultation calls for anyone who might just be a little bit interested with no commitment, just to hear a little bit more and see if we would be a good fit for each other. 
Oh, that's perfect. And I'll be sure to obviously share that all in the show notes for everybody so they can uh, they can check it out. And then I myself will come and join your group as well. So <laughs> I don't want to miss out on it. <laughs> you could be like a guest speaker one week. That would be great. Perfect. I was thinking the same thing for our stuff. So that's okay. awesome. Great. Perfect. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. I really appreciate having you today. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been it's been really fun, actually. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Perfect. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Above Mediocre. I hope you enjoyed yourself just as much as I did. If you want to follow along, please feel free to check me out on Instagram at Margie, M-A-R-J-I-E underscore Richardson, uh, or you can find us online at highpeaknutrition.com. And feel free, if you've been enjoying what you're listening to on Apple Podcasts, to leave a review and a rating. I would absolutely love to hear your feedback or follow along on Spotify. I hope that you've enjoyed your time here and we look forward to chatting with you next week.